This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.06, Monday, the 13th of February, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Chong Jensen, Philip C, and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now, in about 30 minutes, we'll discuss the humanitarian response being channeled to Turkey and Syria in the wake of last week's devastating earthquake. But let's recap how global markets closed last week. So US markets were mixed. The Dow was up 0.5%, S&P 500 up 0.2%, but the Nasdaq was down 0.6%. In Asian markets, the Nikkei was up 0.3%, Hang Seng down by 2%, Shanghai Composite down by 0.3%, the Straits Times Index it was up very marginally by 0.04%, and the FBM KLCI it was up by 0.7%. So a rather mixed Friday for global equities. But for more on where international markets are hitting, we have on the line with us Kingsley Jones, Chief Investment Officer at Jevons Global. Good morning, Kingsley. Always good to speak to you. Now, after a rather good start to 2023. US equities stumbled last week. In fact, it was the worst week for stocks and bonds this year. What happened to that momentum that we saw and where do you see direction for stock markets for this month? Yes, it really got knocked hard last week and we think that's largely down to the very strong US jobs report. So notwithstanding these continuing US uh, tech layoffs, uh, it seems like the rest of the U.S. Uh, employment market's actually in rude health. So, so that means that interest rates are probably going to stay higher for longer and indeed keep rising. That's our central case. The earnings season also has been a bit patchy. Uh, it hasn't been that great. Uh, but markets, you know, they are buoyed by that robust sentiment that it would all be over soon with the interest rates and indeed that there might be a cut later this year. Uh, that's looking a lot less likely now. So uh, we think that uh, U.S. stocks will... Uh, you know, find a new level, probably retrace half of what we saw in January. Uh, and then through the end of this reporting season, there'll be a big kind of stock take as to where we're at with corporate margins. If they are weaker than expected, I, I think we could well go back and retest some of those uh, lows we had around late December last year. Kingsley, are you repricing your interest rate expectations with regards to the Fed? I mean, market pricing now implies rates will peak at 5.2% in July, and that was up from less than 5% a month ago. Yes, uh, we are. And um, I just point to, I think in your news story, you mentioned Chinese inflation data is actually pretty modest. It's, it looks quite good there. And you also have to remember that um, very populous nations like India and China are now receiving, shall we say, the benefit of lower oil prices because that's where the Russian crude's going. Now, net-net, that's all stimulatory. Uh, so we think that demand for commodities is going to remain strong. And it's therefore likely that we're going to see the commodity prices start to move higher up once more. Uh, and in fact, we might have seen the lows in commodity prices. So if you put all that together, it's not surprising that the bond, rate is, bond market is now selling off a little bit. Uh, and we'll just have to see how high those yields go on US Treasuries because we think... There is a risk now of an entrenched inflation problem for markets like the US, simply because there's not one in places like China. As you were saying, right, energy commodities doing very well. But in your view, what are the sectors that are going to outperform in Southeast Asia? I, I think a good way to look at that is to think firstly about the recovering Southeast Asian demand, which is clear, particularly in places like China, but obviously the kick-on effects. Uh, there's a lot of new capital investment in places like Vietnam with new semiconductor plants and other things. So they're all positives. Um, 
And and so there's two ways to play that. Either you can buy the companies domiciled in Southeast Asia who are serving that demand, or you can buy the companies outside of Southeast Asia uh, that are selling into it. And I think commodities is a good example of the second one. So, you know, if you think about soft commodities uh, in Australia, you've got Elders and Grain Corp. Uh, you know, you've also got the commodity players in battery metals that we've often spoken about. And then in places like Singapore, you have the agricultural commodity firms, which so far haven't really moved that much higher, like Wilmar and Olam in Singapore. But the other one that we really like and have liked for a long time is in Japan, is the Sogoshosha, uh, the trading houses, Itoshu, Marabeni, Mitsubishi and others. And, uh, you know, they really are responsible for supply chain uh, integrity, new investment, supplying Japan Inc. with commodities. But they also invest a lot across Southeast Asia. So we think that they'll do quite well. And then finally, I just mentioned that, um, you know, luxury uh, goods makers, you know, like LVMH, Richemont, the others, they're all doing really well. And their early good results were off the back of strong conditions in the United States. Uh, we think that we're yet to see a further wave to that good performance for luxury stocks uh, out of demand from Asia. Uh, so we think that, uh, perhaps surprisingly, they're going to do pretty well, the luxury names. And Kingsley, Google's stock valuation took a massive hit last week over an adverse market reaction to its AI program. How will this new frontier change investors' outlook on the tech sector and will it return Microsoft to dominance? Well, it could well do for a couple of reasons that I'll touch on shortly. But um, Google took a big hit because, as we know, you know, their AI called Bard, it made a boo-boo, it got something wrong. Uh, but more importantly, probably management sent a cautious message about trying to make AI responsible. And as such an Adela at, at the CEO of Microsoft had pointed out regarding Microsoft plans uh, to incorporate uh, the chat engine into Bing, the search engine, uh, you know, Microsoft's share is low there. And Mike's, it's about 9%, I think, of search uh, traffic. And search margins are good. Now, these are more expensive forms of search. So if Microsoft propels this new form of search, which admittedly is more expensive to do, they can gain market share, but they could really damage Google if they force Google to have to roll this out across their 90% odd market share versus Microsoft's 10. So we think that that's where the real action is. On other aspects with ChatGPT, it obviously makes a lot of mistakes. People are over that. They realize it does that. Uh, I think they're going to use it in practical ways where obviously you edit the results, uh, and it can do some pretty good work on basic boilerplate encoding and also, you know, pretty standard pro forma sort of business letters and policies and things like that. So uh, we think it's definitely here to stay and therefore Microsoft will benefit when they roll that out through Office 365 and also the coding version through the code repository GitHub. Well, Kingsley, as long as it doesn't take over our jobs, right? Be it. <laughs> Yeah. You on the buy side and us on radio. Uh, but Kixie, <laughs> I want to go back to Japan, right? Uh, the news reports that Kazuo Uda would become the Bank of Japan's next governor. The yen had a rather rough Friday. Do you expect major changes to Japan's monetary policy? I guess we have to see uh, what happens when this new governor sits in the seat and starts to make those announcements. But the thing I point out is I think there's some very strong constraints on what Japanese monetary policy can do. And, and that's simply because there is so much outstanding Japanese debt that in many ways it's the market driving what happens to Japanese monetary policy and less so um, the central bank. Uh, that 
view could change if, if obviously, if they took some radical policy maneuvers, uh, you could see some very significant market action. Uh, but I would think they're going to be a little cautious in what they do. So it's really just a case of wait and see. Um, we certainly do like sections of the Japanese economy, uh, you know, notwithstanding, uh, you know, a situation where inflation is higher. And obviously, you know, they don't have a rapidly growing population. It's quite the reverse. Uh, but Japan, I think, is probably well positioned for the energy transition and, and also in a lot of important manufacturing industries. So uh, they, they could do reasonably well this decade. All right. Thank you very much for your time. That was Kingsley Jones, Chief Investment Officer at Germans Global, uh, telling us the importance of chat GPT, but hopefully it doesn't take over the world and our <laughs> jobs, right? That's the main thing. Well, the integration of AI into Bing, Microsoft's search engine, really will give Google a run for its money. I think that's why many people are very worried. Of course, Google's stock, as he was saying, tumbled big time last week because of an error made by chat GPT. But my question is, why didn't it do a check before they did a test run? I don't think you're allowed so to basic. check it, right? I suppose no, you're trying to check, show that it's dynamic. Check the random question that you're going to pose. Okay. We, by the way, we don't do that at BFM. We don't give our guests questions so that they give <laughs> the right not. answers. Of course not. So maybe that's what they wanted to do too. Uh, but, you know, it's early days. So we'll find out, right? Uh, but let's turn our attention to results that just came out literally a few, hour, a few minutes ago. And that is coming out of Singapore. Singapore's biggest banking group, DBS, reported a surge in fourth quarter profit that beat expectations thanks to gains from both lending and as interest rates provide a tailwind. So net income increased 69% to 2.34 billion Singapore dollars, beating estimates of 2.17 billion Singapore dollars. And they declared a special dividend of 50 Singapore cents a share. And uh, DBS joins lenders getting a lift from rising global interest rates as well. Now, the bank is set to benefit from an eventual uptick in wealth management net flows and rising credit card fees as travel picks up. You know, it feels very similar to how, how the strategy of Morgan Stanley is as well taking place there. Now, CEO Piyush Gupta said that their business pipelines are healthy and asset quality robust. Well, very important to pay attention to banking stocks in Singapore because they comprise more than 40% of the Straits Times Index. So everyone watches their earnings like a hawk. Now, if you look at the street, do they like DBS so far? I'm not sure whether there will be upgrades following this set of results. 13 buys, 5 holes, no sells. Consensus target price for this stock, $40.20 Singapore cents. Current share price before opening is 36 cents. And just to give you an indication of what the value, the year to date performance has been like, it's already been up more than 6% on a year to date basis. And we are looking at indicative yields of 4%. So very healthy for Singapore stocks. Now, very quickly, we have other news. Let's talk about another bank, you know, who said something with hindsight. And that is according to the FT Goldman Sachs CEO, David Solomon, says he should have gone with his instincts and acted sooner to cut jobs. Wow. Sources said that in a private meeting in Miami with about 400 of the bank partners, Solomon said he was too slow in reducing the bank's workforce, even as signs of headwinds begin to emerge in the second quarter of last year. Talk about mercenary. Now, the report cited the CEO as saying that eventual job cuts could have been less drastic if the bank had taken action earlier. Yeah, Goldman's last month began a plan to eliminate about more than 3,000 jobs or 6.5% of its New York-based bank's headcount, marking one of the largest rounds of job reductions ever. So the move follows a bigger-than-expected spike in expenses and plummeting revenue and profit. Why do you think he made this statement now? Makes himself looks be better? I, I don't. Excuses? He's... It's an excuse, really. I don't think it makes him look better, in my view. It's just that... 
I, th- I think, you know, job cuts is something you have to be very sensitive about. Yes. He, and he, he was trying to make the case that if he had done a tougher set of job cuts earlier, there would have been fewer job cuts taking place later on. I don't see the logic how that actually works out. Uh, that's why I cannot figure out why make such a statement, right? Yeah. Unless you're admitting that it was a mistake to begin with in the first place. Is that's that what right. you're saying? You should have been yeah. more aggressive. But the issue with Goldman Sachs is his strategy, I think, and that's what resulted in the job cut. So he's trying to I rationalize, think, rationalize the, the actions. But as the issue here is the strategy call. He didn't do like what Morgan Stanley did, push wealth management as fast as he did. He had his consumer banking business, Marcus, right, which didn't do as well as many expected to do. So I do think it's more a strategy problem than the issue about taking action over the job Cuts. Well, the moment the street still likes the Goldman name, I mean, it's uh, 17 buys, 9 holes, 1 sell, consensus target price for the stock, 396 US dollars. Last time price on Friday, 371 US dollars and 28 cents. Up next, we're going to take a look at the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned for that though. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.